0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Tigers Down Under. I'm your host Alex, and with me I have Logan. How are you, Logan? Hey, Alex. Yeah, doing really well. It's good to uh, good to be back on after a, a few weeks off. Yeah, it's been a um, been a pretty good few weeks since you were last on. I um, can't remember the last game you would have been on before. Was it before the international break? I guess with the the Middlesbrough game, maybe it or the was- Barnsley
1: game. I mean. It was it was all doom and gloom the last time we spoke, and so um, I'm I'm hoping that I'm not the jinx for the, the upcoming. <laughs> yeah. I know that going to say. I know that Michael was very superstitious. Uh, previously yeah. the the Wigan podcast. So let's um let's pray that that I'm not that uh that spanner in the works.
0: Certainly, certainly. Well, yeah. Look, I mean, Dan and I last week sat here and we did predict, or we did. We sort of hoped for at least four points out of the two fixtures against Cardiff and Millwall sort of thinking if we can manage to grab a draw in in the game against Millwall, that would be a pretty good result. And of course, it's six points instead, which is fantastic. So we'll start with that win against Cardiff, first of all, which was in some ways the more I mean, they're both pretty impressive wins for different reasons. But I guess for the Cardiff game, having what uh, Elder starting at centre back because we were Bernard down with the suspension um, Elder then going off with a concussion halfway through the game and getting the debut from um, Mills coming off the bench first touch almost giving away a goal as well but um, pretty inexperienced back line in that sense um, in a back three um, sort of fighting against the adversity and, and coming away with the three points after a, a Kingless Potter head up.
1: Yeah absolutely I mean you, you mentioned that it was one of the, the key fixtures or a very important fixture for, for different reasons as to why it was so impressive but obviously we talked about the slide that you know that we'd been on and uh, just the i guess a team like cardiff that are kind of in and around uh, us we knew that it was it was an early season six pointer um and you know particularly when you look at the flaws of of city so far i mean uh, goal scoring has been a problem for us but particularly defensively uh, you know we've we've leaked a lot of goals and so you know to to mention the the situations that um and the hardship that we face to to be able to keep a clean sheet nonetheless um with with that level of adversity um you know it's a is a is a huge uh, testament to the team but uh, I mean I don't want to get too far ahead because i know we'll we'll talk three two ones later, but uh, I think this game was in so many ways the the making of, of jacob briggs so, and we've oh. we've talked about how how good he is um and and how much promise he's shown but you know. With with Bernard and um, and Callum Elder obviously out of the picture, for him to to have the game that he had, um, it was just it was it was so impressive and um,
0: you know fair play to him. I mean, you want to talk formations? I think we're trialing a, an experimental two six, two six three or something like that. I mean, the amount of times that he'd find himself up on the wing, and I was sort of, you know. Double checking to make sure it was Graves getting up there, and he was the one who essentially—I mean, yeah—we'll talk about the Millwall game in a second. But he was the one who essentially um, got the ball in the box for the Honeyman header in that game. So, um, starting to get a decent cross on him, and yeah, he's—he's he's playing incredibly high up the pitch for a centre back. And you know, and as you mentioned, like one of the criticisms
1: we've—we've we've had, and we've heard a lot of fans' voice about you know Grant McCann. I mean, we wanted him to to try experiment. I don't think we were looking at that level of experiment, but. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's obviously it's it's paid dividends the last uh, last couple of weeks and so you know, it's it's good to see a, a centre back in the form of Jacob Reeves getting forward like years
0: and I guess it's hard not to draw those those parallels to to one Harry Maguire yeah certainly certainly um, and then of course we also had Huddleston um, come on for when Elder was injured so it's good to see Huddleston back out on the pitch um, I saw the tweet I think it was that the last time that he was you know at, at the in his pomp playing for City. Um, King Lewis Potter was, you know, an eight-year-old or something like that watching. We've sort of talked before, you know, he was sort of queuing up, uh, getting a pizza from the Alums when we were signing Ben Arthur and Hernandez on that deadline day. And and of course, it was, was just a, a City fan back then, uh, now playing alongside him in, in the City side be a surreal experience with Lewis Potter, and and probably makes Huddleston feel pretty old as well.
1: <laughs> it has to be a surreal experience. I mean, that's whatever what a young boy dreams of, particularly you know, boyhood club and and watching Tom Huddleston, who would have been a huge signing for us at the time, to find himself on the on the field. I'm, I'm sure that he's you know pinching himself. But I, again, like you you think about the the core that's been been bought, and you know there was a, a real discussion over whether Tom Huddleston was worth the punt at the, the start of the season and. You know, was, was it worth going out and chasing him that hard? And, you know, we got excited when we heard that he was coming on on trial um, and was going to be training with the side. Like, obviously, you can't help but get optimistic. And, I mean, even in the, the limited time that he, he spent on the pitch, uh, I mean, that, that game, uh, just the security and the safety net of knowing that you've got someone like Tom Huddleston who can sit back and fill that, you know, central defence position as well as a little bit higher up the pitch and, and spray balls in the way, the manner that he does it. It does. It goes a long way to to take pressure off, um, you know, that, the back four or back three.
0: Yeah, certainly. So it's good to see him back and fit, and hopefully, um, sort of, if nothing else, he's a good presence to have around that squad and and around that team on game day and um, and and with his experience in the side. Um, the other the other positive I'd mentioned was the Randall Williams had a, a fantastic time tackle late in the game, uh, sort of up there with you know the the famous tackles of the past, like the Harry Maguire double tackle and the QPR players, things like that where um, I think live, I thought it was it was Ryan Longman, but I think he'd gone off the pitch at that point, but just a perfectly timed clearance tackle as well. and it, It's great to see, it's sort of similar to last season. It's great to see the whole squad really starting to lift and, and get a bit of confidence. And, and, and it's good to see those peripheral players starting to lift and really push for a place in the side as well. And when you get to a position now where it's sort of a case of, well, who do you drop? Because, and we'll probably talk about a name in a second. Who you probably could, but generally speaking, there's not a whole lot of players that you'd be thinking, "Who do you drop?" It's more how do you fit everyone in because everyone's playing so well. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I mean,
1: there's there's been glimpses of those of, of the people that have been tested in the forward line. Um, you know, Tyler Smith was was one that really kind of revealed himself and, and looked um, like he was going to to feature and almost was the lead lead man in the front three for for quite some time and. You know, it's it's what you want, exactly what you want when you've gone out and signed these players that, um, you know, even though they haven't been playing for their for their clubs that are, you know, championship Premier League football teams, you, you need them to come in and actually, you know, show their quality. And I guess that's the point of, of those loan signings. And we did make a lot of signings and, and, and they were relatively unknown. I know that entering the championship, we didn't feel incredibly optimistic about certainly the money that had been spent. Um, but, yeah, to see, to see the, these guys starting to kind of, you know, force their way into the fold, um, yeah, it's
0: fantastic. Um, and then I guess, yeah, you know, not to put too much of a damper on things and, and talk negatives, but um, I guess there's still probably a bit of concern around Wilkes' form. Um, so, you know, I've sort of talked in previous weeks about it. It seems as if he's not fully fit, whether he's just had a poor preseason, whether he's just low on confidence. I don't know what, what it quite is. Grant seems to sort of be persisting with him and he did get the second goal against um, Birmingham in the previous week. So you think maybe if he's got that goal under his belt, he can get a bit of confidence and get going. But um, against Cardiff and then again against Millwall, just probably wasn't wasn't himself and, and probably probably needs some time out of the spotlight maybe. I think the pressure might start to get to him. The expectation might start to get to him as well. I think you could be right. I think the other aspect that we have
1: to consider here is there's a real, there a real change in in, in the way that uh, the the front three played last season in League One, and I remember, Bernsey mentioned that um, you know, Grant McCann had, had taken the front three aside and given them a bit of TLC, and you know from that moment, uh, we saw a huge change in in how prolific they were in their goal scoring. They went on a run. It was just after a flat spell, I think it was that period maybe around Christmas time, and. I wonder if that is certainly it gives us a glimpse of the type of manager Grant McCann is where he wants to to show faith in in those players and maybe it is his lasting, you know, relationship and, and the full picture of, of what's going on with Wilkes in the background that that leads him to believe that Wilkes is still the way forward, um, despite, as you mentioned, not really showing the same level of form that he, he did show in. And was underdone in the preseason. So, look, I, I don't have too much of a problem with it persisting in in that way. Um, but you do kind of ask the question: at, at what point is is that going to stop? Particularly when you've got, um, you know, play, players like uh, the the donkey in, uh, in in Eve's, who you know are knocking on the door every time he does get put on. Uh, usually late in games and. You know, throws himself about. There's a there's a genuine desire to be there, and it's it's very obvious um, to see. And I I found it really strange watching the the tail end of um of the Millwall game when when Eve's got uh, put on the field and just hearing the, the the nature of the crowd. He's somewhat become a fan favorite um, almost instantly. Bit of a and, bit of a cult hero, yeah. But but despite the fact that he he still gets slated on on social media, the the fans at the ground seem to um, you know really appreciate the the energy and effort he was putting in. So. Look, I don't have a problem with the Wilkes situation. I just know that, um, you know, it, it can't continue for too much longer. And, you know, if we're still having the same conversation in a month's time and, and Wilkes is, has not shown any form, well, then I think that, that there's probably a bigger issue at play. But but for now, I'm, I'm happy to see you know him him bite his time.
0: Fair enough. Okay, well, um, let's go through our MVP votes for the game then and we'll move on to the Millwall game after that. Yeah, look, the the three points of, as I mentioned
1: before was was definitely great. So I, I just can't think of of how you could even put anyone else, you know, close to to the performance that he had. It was it was fantastic. Um I guess the conversation now is like KOP for the goal is is definitely worth worth a shout. Um you know, it's just it's such a crucial time and and particularly in a period where we we haven't been that prolific. So um you know, well done to the to the youngster um, I, I probably still had Baxter um, in in my my one point for this. Um, I thought that that he was he was quality and he just h- hasn't really put a foot wrong. Uh, I think that was a pretty edgy clearance, um, if I'm remembering the game correctly. That uh, we were all kind of, I think collectively in the chat, we were very concerned about. Um, but apart from that, he just you know he's he, he's done really well. And we talked about how good Ingram was at the start of the year, so um, you know I'm sure that when the season began, he was uh, wondering whether he would you know find himself in the fold at all um and so to see to see the way that he's come in and, and play this is fantastic so that's probably my one point
0: well to put things in, in in context so uh you know prior to the Cardiff game what uh baxter played the two previous games so so ingram had missed the two previous games and he was, he's still leading up our best and our mvp votes for the season as such was his form to start the season and, and such was the regard that we held him in so it's pretty incredible the um the the sort of the nature of the performance from Baxter to 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 be so good that it's it's like surpassed Ingram's well, the expectations on Ingram and the there's no sort of there's no sort of calls that Ingram should come back into the side and and that's not a negative on on Ingram. It's just the fact that Baxter's performances have been so good. So no certainly worthy of a point there. Yeah, I, I've gone with, I've gone the same as you for Greaves for the three votes and KLB for the two. Reeves had a team high five tackles as well and 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 two crosses like we're talking about and created a big chance. So getting up the field, getting more attacking, sort of going on those maraudering runs, which is uh, great to see for the side. And um, a player we, we haven't really touched on too much on the podcast who probably does go under the radar a little bit from from our point of view, but has been getting a lot of plaudits um, on social media and at the ground as well, is McLaughlin. He's sort of the um, the more forgotten man, I guess, in that back three, who's also been a bit more consistent alongside Graves the last few weeks. who um, has been putting in terrific displays as well. Um, team high four clearances against Cardiff as well. So um, really sort of knuckling down and making that spot his own, which is great to see. And, and and it means that when we've got Bernard fit, when we've got McLaughlin there and Graves, it does give us a legitimate back three. Um, makes, makes an sure. interesting conversation for when Jones comes back and, or when Jones is fit again um as to whether he gets back into the side um because I don't think you can drop McLaughlin in in the form that he's in and 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 the fact that you can't drop him also really sort of lends lends a bit of credence to sticking with the three five two as well which would uh which would certainly be great to see and and it's certainly bearing fruit um at this time Mm. um okay well then let's move on and talk about the Millwall game so we did have Bernard come back into the side for Elder it was a pretty like for like switch in that sense with Elder having been playing at center back the previous game um, this one was probably one that, you know, having won three games in a row against sides around us, you think, okay, it's a pretty good run. Um, as I said before, we were probably looking at this more game and hoping for a draw at best. Um, it's probably been our worst performance in a little while, to be honest, um, pretty shaky in patches, conceded that goal, um, which was probably just a bit of poor defending, um, but we came through and got the win. So it, it sort of shows that that belief in the side that's growing and, you um, uh, and, and just and just yeah, that 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 confidence to keep pushing on and try and get that winner, which we eventually got through Longman.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'll probably reveal a little bit of, of the discussion of what happens in the uh, the background with the the whole city podcast and the boys group chat. But I know that this game, particularly the Millwall, obviously with kickoff being uh, two a.m. Uh, Australian Eastern Time, I know that it's a struggle for many of us, particularly deep into the uh, the second half on a on a very early Sunday morning. But I was kind of on the fence with this, and I felt like I had a huge amount of energy swings. So um, the, the first goal when we when we scored, I, I was feeling extremely optimistic, and it was it was so good to, as you said, continue in the in the fashion that we've been playing. It really looked like we had uh, had momentum, and as they they found the equaliser right on the stroke of half time, I, I did get those dark "Is it time to go to bed?" thoughts, and and can I actually sit through the second half? But I was so glad to um to stick it out and and to see us um you know show that resilience and show the level of of desire that um you know certainly wasn't there at the at the start of the season and it was very um very obvious particularly when we fell behind in games early and that's what impressed me so much about this performance was we had the lead uh, had it wrestled back and then was able to to regroup and and kick back on with it so. An incredibly gutsy performance under, um, you know, really trying circumstances, but uh, to come away with the three points and and to keep the momentum going, um, you know, I think you you were the person who said that we've we've doubled our points tally in the yeah. last two weeks, um, which is a ridiculous stat, um, but just beaks into the you know the feeling in the club at the moment.
0: Yeah, and uh, I'll, I'll confess, I was actually away at a, a Bucks weekend um for the for the game so I was I was actually in the middle of a poker tournament and and, and yeah. had had a couple of drinks for the night as well so I was actually really fortunate I I kept glancing over at the uh the laptop I'd set up to watch the game and every time I glanced over um well not every time but I, I managed to glance over and actually catch our goal uh as it was in, in the build-up and 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 being scored uh, and then sort of unfortunately also caught their goal as well so I did actually see them live which was good and, and I, I did get a good sense of the game as well um Managed to sort of stick on for the second half as well, which was good. I actually won the poker tournament, which always puts me in a bit of good spirits to, <laughs> to stay up and watch the game. Um, and, and yeah, look, as you say, it was great to press on and get that winner. And Honeyman now, with I think it's three goals and an assist in the last four games as well, is is tremendous. And I don't know if you saw the um the bit of an interview with him because he'd grown grown his mo out for um November, and he basically said, "Oh well, it's a good luck charm. I can't really shave it off now, but see what the missus says." So. Um, seems like there's great spirits around the club at the moment as well. Is is there a more enjoyable City player to watch score? I just I
1: think that yeah, when Jake Honeyman gets on the score sheet, there's just a, a genuine level of entertainment where you see his face light up and the the you see like the, the entire City squad like fly after him. But there's just a, a pure joy uh, that that hits his face, and I just I, I get excited particularly when Honeyman finds himself on the score sheet for, for that particular reason. But look. We've spoken about George honeyman at Lake before, and um you know he's he's one of those players who was initially polarizing and and the question that we've always had is we we saw what he could do in league one, we know that he was touted as a as a pretty capable championship player before um But to see the form that he's in now, he absolutely belongs in the championship. And, um, you know, he's playing incredible football. And I I know that goals aren't exactly a a huge part of his game. So to find himself in this, you know, Rich vein of form um, and and becoming a prolific scorer, it's just, it's unreal. And every week, you know exactly what you're going to get from him. He has the respect of, you know, the playing group. And he's just a a leader. He covers every single blade of grass every game. you know, and it's, it's just a joy to watch.
0: Yeah, I mean, we were saying while we were on that poor run of form that the the biggest frustration was that Honeyman wasn't fit. We couldn't see what he he we couldn't see we, we didn't give him a chance to see uh, what he could do in the championship after that tremendous season in League One. And as you say, I mean, it is sort sort of funny to think back to that first season with us in the championship. He just didn't he just didn't get a good run in the in the side, I think. And when he did, it was so stop start that. I think he was just trying to put himself around the pitch to prove that he should stay in the side and and just didn't get the best out of him. But um, the confidence that he has now after the season he had last season, um, he's he's growing into a, a leader at the club. And I mean, for all that I think Smallwood has really silenced the doubters, myself included, he, he's really silenced the doubters and is putting together a great season. I think there's a pretty strong case to be made to make Honeyman the captain going forward, I think, in this side. I think he, as you say, he's, he seems to already be quite a natural leader in the side and when he yeah. scores, when he's involved in the play, the players really rise up to the challenge. So um, he's sort of got that infectious energy about him, which is really great to see. And um, I was I was watching the highlights back the other day and, and my wife actually turned to me and she said, you know, Honeyman's actually quite a good-looking guy. So I was like, oh, I've got to watch out of it. But he's <laughs> clearly getting a few admirers. On this side of the world as well, so um, no, he's, he's, he's putting together a great season, and it's all sort of just clicking now. We've got the three-five-two, which is bringing the best out of the players. We've got Honeyman on the pitch, doing his thing. Everything really seems to be gelling around the club at the moment, and it's a great, great time to be a City supporter. There's a, there's a very strong, um, good feeling around the club. I think for for some reasons off the field, but also also on the field, everything's just sort of falling into place. It just feels like a much greater level of security watching City play.
1: I think that we were so leaky at the beginning and looked really reckless going forward. I think that on the very few occasions that we did, uh, you know, feature in the final third, teams would just, uh, you know, have a, have a field day getting back on the counter against us. And we looked incredibly disorganised. Um, and just to see now, the way that to actually score against us, you really have to... Um, you really have to provide something special. I think I was looking at a stat in the last four games. I think I, I said I mentioned it was like seven goals for one against. Yeah, um, you know to, that is the the proof in the pudding. That goes to show. Uh, the work that's obviously being done on the training ground, and as you mentioned, the the team chemistry seems to have they've really started to gel. And you know, uh, let's let's remember we're we're entering the the first day of December today. That's there's still a long, long way to go before um, you know the championship season concludes. And it's it's really easy as a fan to get carried away in those early few months. But I think the comfort of crawling out of the relegation spots um, in in such an emphatic way. Um, and not just because we've had a couple a couple of lucky wins against the teams around us, but actually the performance on the pitch is you know a, a far more encouraging and look far more stable is is what um, you know is
0: is driving the sense of optimism around the club at the moment. Certainly, yeah. So um, go through the the three to one votes for for this game, and then we'll talk a bit off field um, before doing our little quiz. Um, so I. I yeah, I think it's hard to go past Honeyman for the three votes. I've gone for him, um, getting the goal, um, really just running the show from the middle of the pitch, um, having having a tremendous game again. Um, I, I don't think you can fault him for this game at all. Um, again, Greaves for the two votes. I think Greaves is another tremendous game, as I sort of said while we were talking about the Cardiff game. It was really his cross that went in for the Honeyman goal. I think it was credited to, um, to somebody else uh, who I think took a little touch off um, on the way through. But... Greaves whipping the ball in, um, you know, solid at the back as well uh, and just growing game after game. It's it's crazy to think he's only 21 years old and he's he's, he's already a mainstay in this side now. And, um, I mean, there was a few rumours during the week about interest from Premier League clubs. Um, I think um, there's been word that the owners of the club, whoever they may be in January, are going to turn down any bids that come in for KLP and Greaves, and I think that's that's a very good stance to have. Um but it just shows that he's getting interest from bigger clubs who are sort of paying attention to this 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 rise in stature of this player, which is fantastic to see as well. Um, and then yeah, I've gone for Baxter for the one vote. I think he put in a few really important saves, especially late in the game to keep us to keep us in the lead. Um, and, and it was great to see during the week. And I mean. It's always it's always hard how much to to buy into what a, a player on loan does say when they say that they're in, they're open to a permanent move. I think they're always going to say what they think the fans are going to want to hear, but he, he's had such a good start to his time at City. Four games in, seems to have a real connection with the fans. Um, and uh, you know, I had to sort of double check that when I saw that he's only twenty three as well. So he's he's quite a young player as well. And if he can sort of grow and develop in the City side over the next few seasons, he could become you know a top line player for us. Yeah, certainly. I
1: um, I, I was pretty similar to you in the um, in the three two ones. I, I went honeymoon for three as well. I uh, Jake Grace for two. Um, again, what, a, what a what a period he's having uh, personally as as well as uh, obviously the the team. But um, the one point for me, I gave that to KLP. Um, I I, I thought Baxter was. Uh, you've kind of just jogged my memory a little bit here. Um, I thought he was pretty influential. But there's just a there's a feeling of when KLP gets on the ball that gives me a level of confidence you you see the defense of of, like often just back off um particularly when he starts to kind of put a little bit of footwork and and steps over the ball and and runs at defenders you see that there's a an air of panic that almost sets in uh, because there's such an unpredictability about about how he plays um and it's just it's such a pleasing sight so um I thought there was a couple of passages in that Millwall game that he really just um, you know changed changed the feel of the game um, as a as a fan, and so I, I gave my one point to him. But yeah, as, a, as I said, just the the impressive nature of the fact they were able to get back in the game is is the the thing that stands out for me after that that setback. It's such a crucial time.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, well, we'll talk um, probably the man man at the moment, apart from the players themselves, um, Grant McCann, very likely to be, well, certainly to be nominated for Manager of the Month and, and and quite a good shout to win it, I would say, as well, considering where we started the month and, and where we finished it. Um, it does raise the question, I mean, there's been a lot of speculation when when Ajun does take over the club, which um, there has been fresh reports that it could be as soon as this week. Uh, we don't know that for sure, um, but but potentially in the next seven days. Um, that there's been a lot of links to to his mate uh, Shota, uh, who'd come in as the manager in, in that case. And I think a month ago, when that was first sort of raised, there you know no one really batted an eye at it because of the form that we were in. But um, we did. I think we said on this podcast that it does raise an interesting question: if Grant does string two, three, four, five, six wins together, which he could quite feasibly do, right. um, what what sort of position does that put the new owner in? I mean, you can't. You you think it's a very easy decision to sack a very unpopular manager a month ago, but I, I, I'm not so sure that the decision would be met as um, as positively as it would have been back then. What, what's your sort of take on it? Do you think Grant sort of earned a earned a chance chance to to prove himself under a new owner, or it's better just to start a new page? I'm really surprised to
1: answer the question this way, but I'm I'm incredibly on the fence with this one. I, I sort of don't know. I, I mean, I'd love to go through the the history books and, and find out if there's ever been a manager of the month that's been sacked in the, yeah. in the first morning week. Like if if there's a statistic out there where that's happened, um, you know, I, I can't see how you would ever find a, a fan base that would support that, um, you know, and, and be on board with like at the end of the day we've we've talked about it before regardless of how grant mccann speaks and how well or um you know well or not well he's received by the fans particularly in the interviews and you know he said some questionable things at press conferences that we haven't liked and we've we've chatted about those things at length on on this podcast but at the end of the day if your manager's winning that's what they're employed to do and you know, football is a business. Uh, a business result. It's if you, if you're winning, that's what managers are going to judge you on your win loss record, your your percentage. What are you going to bring to a club? And the personality and things like that are, are secondary components to to your role. I just can't see how you can find a way to make a case for Grant McCann to be sacked after after a month. I mean, he's he's historically there's he's brought us the League One title. He's yeah he got us promoted. I mean, he did get us relegated in the championship. If you can, if you can harbour that blame to him, I go, many people would make the case that you would attribute that to the owners and the uh, the way that things were dealt with and the amount of players that we lost as a result of, you know, very, very poor people management. Um, but I, I think that the, the guy at this point in time, as we sit here and discuss tonight, he's, he's done enough to to warrant, uh, you know, holding on to his, his appointment and it's, it's certainly not how i would have answered that that question in october and i i think i would have had, had to have gone far and wide to find someone who would have made a case and argued with me
0: yeah <clears throat> no certainly and and i think the um the interesting thing in this is because i completely agree i think it's almost impossible to sack a manager at this point the the the, the only inverse that i can think of was um um uh oh, whom i think of mike feel and uh, as caretaker manager winning manager of the month in the premier League and then getting the job so it's almost like Temporary manager, winning manager of the month. I, I can't think of a manager, a permanent manager, then losing their job. Um, so yeah, it, it'd be a very strange situation, and particularly as a as a neutral sort of looking into the club, they'd probably find it quite mind boggling as well. Um, I mean, I, I think the the sort of the best sort of aspect of this is that if if um, ajun was to come in, say, in the next seven days, it's the start of December. I would, I would hope, you know, hypothetically speaking, I'd hope that, you know, he can sit down with Grant and basically say, okay, well, we've got December's fixtures, we've got Reading, Bristol City, Nottingham Forest, Blackburn and Sheffield United and, and and maybe Blackpool as well on the 2nd of January. And you say, okay, so that's a period of six games, I think it is one, two, three, four, five, six, you say to him, if you win three, four of those games, call it three games. Um, then we just get going. We'll see. We'll see how, what the season's looking like. We'll, you know, back you in January. See if we can see where we can finish the season. But say if you can only win one, two games of that, maybe then they say then we'll have to reassess in January. And and then, at least then Grant knows where he stands. But he also gets a period to audition, and it's before the window opens. So you could you could have Shota, as I mean unsavoury to be sitting in the background um, lurking over Grant either physically or, or metaphorically. But you, you can have another manager perhaps already sort of assessing the squad if things were to change and you did need to bring someone else in for the January window. Um, but you can give Grant that audition. You can say to him, so, I mean, Bruce didn't really get that at Newcastle. He got one game to get to his thousand games managed and then he was sacked. But you sort of think theoretically you should be able to get that, that, that chance under the new regime um, where if, if if things don't work out, then you've at least given them the chance. You've got you've got that defence to the fans that you haven't just sacked them the minute you've walked in the door, um, and it doesn't impact us too much in the January window if we do want to make a few moves. But it's yeah, it's it's a really interesting situation that we probably didn't expect to be in a month ago. And and do you think it's fair
1: to say that if we are thinking that way with Grant McCann, you know the the things that we've mentioned before about he, he's certainly not in in the time that we've supported City over the last decade plus, we have become very accustomed to to fan favourite managers like Steve Bruce was very well liked. I think Mike Phelan was very well liked. Marco Silva was certainly well liked. That we've 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 seen Phil Brown, even with a with not yeah. the most impressive record, was was very well liked and. Grant McCann has never uh, come across as uh, you know
0: as a manager it,
1: it, that galvanised the fan base. Yeah, um, he,
0: he's probably the least liked manager I can think of since Nigel Pearson, and that was even not to the same extent. Nigel Pearson was just not liked for the um, interviews, whereas um, McCann's probably also just the results on the pitch at times as well. And and so I mean that's that's the other
1: the flip side of the coin with this is I mean I don't think that the fans if. If Grant McCann was to be given a trial period, as you you suggested, and he was to to lose a couple of games in a row, particularly if they're teams that aren't exactly what you'd say you know highly ranked in the championship, Uh, again, I don't think that there's going to be you know much uh, much response or much reaction from the fans. I think they would be more than happy to see him go on the back of uh, um you know of a couple of losses, and I think that's a really tough predicament. That's a, such a tough position for Grant McCann to, to be in. And obviously he knows that, um, you know, his, his job, rightly or wrongly, is going to be um, heavily scrutinised and in some ways is, is still hanging by a thread despite the, um, you know, incredibly positive run of, run of results.
0: Yeah, and I guess the only thing I'd say as much as we'd feel sorry for someone losing their job having just turned the club around to win four games in a row is for him it's the difference between potentially his next job being a league one job and a championship job. You know, right. if he, if he puts this sort of run together with City, he's now showing other clubs that he can actually manage at this level, that he is competent enough to be considered for other championship jobs. Whereas if we were still on that losing run, if we were still on nine, 10, 11 points, and the new owners came in and sacked him, he'd be sort of looking at a sort of mid table league one job to take on and and, and get another chance. Whereas now his fortunes have sort of turned around. So even, even if he was to leave the club, I don't think it would necessarily be with any, I mean, maybe there would be bitterness. I don't know. I can't, I can't presume to know McCann's um, feelings. But I think the opportunity that he's now giving himself means that he's in a much better position leaving if slash when he leaves the club. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I'd, I'd have to agree. I can't, yeah. can't take anything wrong with that.
0: Okay. Well, um, we did have announced the other day that over Christmas, we will be joining in with the To Hullenback podcast for a Christmas episode, and it will be yourself, Logan, myself, and also Dan in a 3v3 quiz against the To Hullenback correspondents. So, um, unwittingly, we've been doing these triple flashback quiz questions all through the season, and I'm, I'm certainly hoping that they will come in handy with a bit of trivia knowledge for that one. But that, looking forward to that one, I think it's on the uh, ooh, it was at the 21st of this I should pull that up so that I can actually quote the right date I believe it's the 21st of December um, here we are 20th of December my apologies but it's 21st of December our time so it's Tuesday morning our time um, Monday night over in the UK which will be a lot of fun over on the two channel um, but we've got our quiz question for this week which is can you name the last three players to win player of the season and the the sort of the trick on this is that we haven't necessarily awarded a player of the season each season, I think, um, to, to sort of give you a bit, a bit of a hint, I think the uh, 19 1920 season, so the COVID impacted season, we didn't award a player of the season, for instance, um, presumably would have gone to Bowen, who'd already left the club, and I, and I suspect they didn't want to do that. So mm. there's not necessarily a player of the season for each season, I can give you the seasons if you want that as a hint. Okay, let's let's go with this for the start. I, I think that
1: last season, um, the which we're talking the 2021,
0: 2021.
1: Yeah. Hey, okay, so I I would have to say that George Honeyman is is the person here, and I, I'm basing that on the fact that he got the uh, the League One Player of Players Player of the Season. I think was uh, voted by the by the players, I believe. Um, and so I think it would be pretty safe to say that if he was Widely regarded as one of the league's best players, that he probably got the nod at City. Um, I don't know if you're going to give me a nod of affirmation or you just yeah. Nodded. I'll say
0: I'll say bingo for that one. That's correct.
1: Okay, so then we have to go back two seasons from that, where there wasn't a player awarded um, things. So we're talking about the season where um, this would have been under Atkins um, at Nigel Atkins, and we uh, we came. Uh, this was when we survived late, wasn't it? We had a. Am
0: I thinking uh, of the right?
1: People?
0: I think that was the pre- that, that was the previous season. So so okay. the two the two players we've got are for the eighteen nineteen and the seventeen eighteen seasons. Okay, so in that in that
1: season, I, I, okay, I'm, I I would need to come back a season two. So I would. Uh, this could be, um, oh I I I the fact that you've given it away in the sense that you said it, w- it wasn't Bowen. Um,
0: oh no no okay sorry sorry Bowen, I was, so I was saying
1: is, I, I think Bowen is the, the the player for this one I think yep. that you, you confused me that I think Bowen sorry was, that was where he really started to come so and I I assume I want to be safe by saying I think Bowen probably would have got it twice um, even though he had left the club um, yeah exactly so if we've got we've got Honeyman and Bowen ah oh,
0: the, the third should... one's a bit of a curveball so I can give you that position if that I, would. I I, I remember this season because
1: uh this was when Harry Wilson was on loan and he became incredibly prolific towards the end. If I'm if I'm thinking of the right uh period, um I'm I'm not I'm not confident enough to say that, that Harry Wilson was the person. Um I, I can't remember if I, I assume it probably wasn't a striker. And I think I'm I'm trying to remember now when we lost some um
0: some bigger signings. I was um, just going to say you're you're, you're getting warmer now because it's a player you would be surprised was still there that season.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: okay. I I I don't want to. I can give you a I can give you a hint. I, I won't give you that position because I think that gives it away.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Help Help me out. I I I don't yeah. know if I will have a clear conscience at answering if I get three from three. <laughs> but but they, I do We would
0: like phone a friend. They They were. I think. I don't know if they led the league or they were one of the top in the league for clean sheets. Wow! So I guess that sort of gives away the position, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah. So, it's, okay. so it was our goalkeeper that season, yeah. Um,
1: Which ended up—I'm just trying to think of, of who was there. Why? Why can I not remember this? Um, it was—it was—it uh, has to be either David Marshall or Alan McGregor. Um, but I can't remember which put, one. Put, put that coin. <laughs> it's a Scottish keeper, um, and the thing—the thing that I remember about—I thought it was incredibly ironic that we had the two Scottish keepers at the club at the same time. And I remember David Marshall went through a period where he was awful, um, and then I remember him going through a period
0: where he's quite good. I, I'm going to say this is Alan McGregor. Bingo. Yeah, I, I was. I was. Sh- um stunned yeah. that uh, McGregor was actually with us that whole season I'd completely forgotten I um I'd forgotten that we essentially went what the first season under Slutsky and then Adkins was McGregor then we had Marshall and then we had Longs so we had three seasons with three different keepers um and and you're right like it was pretty stunning that we had McGregor and Marshall in the same championship side um that season and um and and, and McGregor walking away with the player of the season yeah you know considering under Slutsky we conceded a lot of goals but yep. McGregor, I think it must have been that second half of the season went went nuts with clean sheets and did quite well. So um yeah, walked away with the player of the season, which is um pretty remarkable. So there you go. Yeah, Honeymoon last season swept all the awards from memory. I think you got the players player, the, the supporters player, um, I think there's another one as well, support uh, official supporters club player as well. Bowen, of course, as you said going nuts with his goals in that season and would have got it the next season as well. But I, I'm sure the club just in a relegation season didn't want to give it to a player who'd left halfway through um, and McGregor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, all that leaves for us to do then is pre- uh, preview this game against Reading. We've got this weekend. It's, it's um, kind of interesting. We're talking before the podcast, uh, no midweek games in the championship at the moment. So it's a bit of an easier schedule, which is good for um, players to sort of rest up and, and, recover from any small niggles and knocks um uh, velko pornovich if i'm pronouncing that name correctly i don't know if i am was appointed in august of last year at reading they just missed out on the playoffs last season as well so um has a pretty reasonable record with them um they're sitting below us on the table but that's with that points penalty um affecting their total and i think it was danny drinkwater came out during the week and sort of said that they're still targeting the top six which um, I've got to say, begs the question of if they're targeting the top six and sitting are uh, sitting below us in the table, what that says about potentially our ambitions if we if we do start to kick on a bit, but um but there you go. Um, they did sign Andy Carroll um about a week or two ago. I, I think I saw that he's on thousand pounds a week for his short stint with them, which is um an interesting salary that he's got. I think he's just sort of trying to get back to fit, trying to get back to fitness and um, get up to speed in the championship, which would be interesting for him. Um, But they've got a number of ex-Premier League players and they've got Scott Dan, they've got Danny Drinkwater, Barbara Rahman, who was at Chelsea for a bit as well, Um, which is probably why they're in a bit of trouble with FFP as well. Um, But, yeah, um, it'd be certainly an interesting game. Um, And we sort of alluded to earlier the potential new owners coming in for us in the next week or so, quite appropriate that we're playing Reading, who are owned by the last set of owners who the alums had ridden in the programs, said their farewells. These guys were meant to take over the club, and it all fell through. So, sort of a bit of a sliding door. So we can see what we could have had and what we what we will have in a week or two.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think um, the the, the sliding door moments are, are very interesting, particularly when you look at the the penalty that they've you know they've succumbed to, and mm. if that there's probably a, a good reason in the in the background, and you know it's what i think is always going to be clouded for for us as city fans is what good decisions did the alums actually make because we're always going to have the the cynical lens um when we you know think about their time at the club but it's really hard to make a case that every decision they've made has been a poor one um and you know this the, the what happened in in this negotiations with the the club owners of reading um right there's probably probably a good book to be uh, written you know later yeah. down the track. To to what the untold story was but when when
0: all the ndas get 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 expired or whatever i'd love to get a book that peels back the alum administration at city there'd be some interesting stories to hear
1: absolutely and i think that's where we have to be as as level-headed as we can and, and, and try and recognize the good that that actually has come under the the reign of the alums although I think there's going to be a, a very exciting, um, you know, new wave uh, when when the official announcement is made. Um, you know, Touchwood when the club does get sold, that you know, hopefully we can see a, a real coming together of of the city fan base and, and be galvanised again and go back to seeing some of the crowds that you know we have become so accustomed to um, in the in the glory period um, earlier on.
0: Yeah, certainly. Um, so they've got one uh, one win in their last five against us, but they've got two wins in their last five in the league. Um, did manage to beat Swansea last weekend, which was a pretty impressive result for them. Um, I'd say that probably Swift is their most dangerous player. I think he's created uh, some absurd number of chances for them and involved in, in pretty much all of their goals as well. So he's certainly their danger man for this game, I would think. Um, Changes to the side from last weekend. I, 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 I'm I struggling to think. I mean, I guess if Elders fully fit, you could probably put him in, in at left wing back um, and then push Longman up forward and, and, and pull Wilkes out of the side potentially. Um, as maybe the only change I'd make, I can't really think of much to do with the side.
1: Look, it'd be it'd be really really tough to to kind of you know make any real big wholesale changes, given the as I said the the magnitude of the performance against Millwall was such a pleasing one, um, you know, and, and as you mentioned, without the very concentrated period of games where you know you're in an, in updated with with midweek fixtures, there's probably no reason to um, you know to to rest anyone and to to freshen the legs up. Um so I would be surprised to see almost any change. Um, but as you said if if there is any any case to be made, you would probably look at um, at Malik Wilkes you know losing his starting spot. but um, I, I would be really surprised to to see um, Malik Wilkes make way to the bench um, given the fact that we've seen Grant McCann stick stick with and show him.
0: Yeah, no, certainly it will be an interesting game in that sense. Um, do you have a, a score prediction for this one?
1: i think this is a dangerous fixture i think you know we we look down reading do have eight wins and and there's some pedigree that you've you've already mentioned um i i just think at this point in time with with the momentum of of being on you know four straight wins there's such a confidence and i i think that to to go and put in a performance against a, a team that that does have the credentials that that reading do have um uh, would would just be a huge boost if, if we could we could you know turn this this four game winning streak into five wins as you mentioned you get to 24 points and although it doesn't necessarily change the ladder, you're right back in in the middle pack and um you know that's that's certainly where we want to be looking um, over this christmas period. I, I think this is going to be a close one. I wouldn't be surprised to see us lose it but um I, I'm hoping for a one or draw I think that would be a that would be a pretty pretty positive result.
0: Yeah, and, and I think the um, the great thing about the four wins in a row now is it does does it sort of emotionally hedges the the game for the weekend. Where you know, yeah, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be upset necessarily if we lost this game, in the sense that I think, yeah, as you say, Reading have a lot of good players, a lot of quality players, and the, the table position's probably a bit misleading for them, given that points penalty. Um, yeah. So a loss of them isn't isn't it's sort of similar to the Millwall game, I think, where you say they're they're that that sort of quality side where. You, you can back yourself to get the win. They're not a Fulham or a, or a West Brom or a Bournemouth. Back yourself to get the win, but it's not a sort of an end of the world if, if we were to lose the game. Um, yeah, I probably, I probably agree with you. I probably think a 1-1 result would be quite acceptable and, and something that I'd, I'd be quite quite happy to walk away from their ground with. Um, it was good to see that, that it's a sellout of City fans as well, so really you know, seeing that support come out and, and back the side now, which is which is great as well. It's it's
1: also probably worth noting, as you you touched on earlier, um, and the, you alluded to it as the the trial period or the audition for for Grant McCann under probably the new owners. Um, there is there's probably five or six games that we we do see after this Reading fixture that I guess the focus on on this fixture. Although you want to win every game, if if it was to to be a disappointing result, I don't think it would be. Um, you know, as grim as as the slide that we've we've that we've seen previously uh, up until these these obviously last four games. Um, so I don't think the onus is is such a bad one in the sense that it's a must win or this um you know a huge element of of cost associated to this game, knowing the fixtures that do come. But you know, you you win this game and you and you head into that uh, group of fixtures with with five wins on the bounce. The the confidence that we we may see like if there was to be something special like a run towards the top six that would be the the time period that you would you would look to um, as, as a pivotal part of the, the turning point in our season
0: yeah I think I tweeted out earlier in the week five wins in a row was grant's longest winning run last season. Um, and the last time that we did six wins in a row, I think, was under Nigel Adkins in, um, in, in, in his last season. That, that run of games that sort of finished with that 2-2 draw at Villa, I think we were up 2-0 in that game and dreaming of the playoffs. And then I think someone got injured. Was it Elphick or someone like that got injured in, in, at halftime, went off, and it just completely changed that game. But, yeah, look, it's a it's a good target. If we can win this game against Reading, it's Bristol City next to a very much a gettable side. And as you say, it just puts us back in that middle pack of the table. Um, you, I sort of alluded to it a bit earlier about dreams of the playoffs, but, you know, it's probably a little bit out of our reach. But are you sort of reassessing where you think we can finish this season or is it very much just a case of get as many points on the board as possible, get away from that relegation zone and, and whatever happens, happens?
1: Look, I, from what I've seen from City in the last couple of weeks, it's it's given me a lot more promise to the to the capabilities that this side actually does have but uh, you know we we hadn't seen like prior to these four wins uh, i mean the opening day against preston was a, an incredibly promising performance i think the draw against bournemouth you know showed that there was there was some fight in the side but outside of that we haven't really seen much um and and whilst i'm probably not uh you know comfortable to make any drastic uh, predictions about where we could be headed i think the fact that what we're seeing is far more promising as has made me reassess the the capabilities that we do potentially have amongst the current squad um I, I guess the the factor that you you may like to to hold on to if we're if we're being optimistic and dreaming big here is what's it going to be like for the players when when the club inevitably does change hands and the fans return um you know, if there's a couple of really promising signings that do come in the the January transfer window on the back of uh, a pleasing December, well, I mean, I think that's when we sit down and have a conversation and can fully reassess, you know, what we're looking at. But look, I, I would love to go that far ahead, but as we've seen, football changes very quickly, and um, you know, the month of December is absolutely a, a huge month month in the in the scheme of things as to you know what could lie ahead for City, but um until we see some of these big pieces start to fall into place. Um, let's just let's just worry about staying away from that bottom three.
0: Absolutely. No worries. Well, thank you for coming on this week, Logan. My pleasure. Lots of good stuff to talk about. No worries. And thanks, everyone, for listening in. We'll be back this time next week to discuss the result of that Reading game and, and, fingers crossed, hopefully some um, bigger news as well off the field. Um, but until then, come on, City. You've been listening to the official Hull City Australia podcast, The Tigers Down Under. For more discussion, join us on Facebook at the Hull City AFC Australia Facebook group or follow us on Twitter at Hull City AFC Oz. The music was created by Amber Black.
1: Yeah the city's on
0: fire We're going higher and higher There's no turning